I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. Hey, turn your Bibles, please, to uh, John chapter 15. We're actually going to be in uh, 14, 15, and 16, but we're going to start in uh, John chapter 15 uh, this morning. And one other thing that makes me super excited today to be here is I have got a tall table. This is so much fun. So this is, uh, this is great. So, all right. Have you ever been uh, somewhere on a vacation or maybe a business trip and, uh, or maybe even like the wedding day and, and, Somebody says, well, how was it, or what was it like, or how pretty was it, and all that, and you start to try to describe what it was like to, to be in that place, and as you describe it, you realize that the words that you are saying fall way short of how great it was to be there. Anybody ever been in that position before? I was in Cabo back many years ago now, and you know, just trying to describe that moment. Up at Naturalist Basin, anybody ever been in Naturalist Basin up in the High Uintas, trying to describe what that looks like, even this morning, Waking up, I'm looking at the Wasatch uh, Mountains uh, real early this morning and the clouds and the, I mean, it was just stunning. And even as I use the word stunning, some of you go, that's not adequate to describe the way that it looked this morning. It was beautiful. But even that was not adequate to describe what it was. Words just sometimes fall short. I remember uh, back what is it, 20, over 26 years ago, uh, my wife, well, my wife, she was not my wife at that point, and getting ready on the wedding day, and uh, we're at the little rural Kentucky church in uh, western Kentucky, and uh, the, the door opens up in the back of the church, and the pastor who was uh, one of the pastors doing the ceremony uh, for us, he leans over to me and says, Rich, remember this moment, and I still to this day remember, sorry, it's so cool, right? Words can't describe it. So the door opens, and then Shelly walks down that aisle, and oh, trying to describe it now, all I can say is, I mean, she was absolutely beautiful, and yet somehow those words are so inadequate to describe what that moment was. And so when we get to other things, kind of like uh, when it comes, um, maybe even the birth of, birth of your children, if you've ever uh, been around for that, I mean, it's, it's so hard to describe the rebirth of my Bronco, <laughs> right? You know, all those things that you got going on, so hard to describe all those feelings and those moments and what you are in the process of doing. Well, when it comes to faith, when it comes to us interacting with God, Really, that's why this is called more than words, because it is more than words that's happening when it comes to our relationship with God. Sometimes it's so hard to describe what God is doing in our lives and, and how to put that out there for people. And yet, 
we are tasked with that very thing to tell the world what God has done for us. And so words fail at trying to grasp the depth of all of this. So there has to be a way for us to begin to embrace this more than words so we can accelerate our relationship with this personal God. And just like a normal relationship, there are some things that we need to include in order to move forward in this relationship with God. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to be uh, wrestling with this big idea of what prayer is. Everybody say the word prayer. All right, so prayer. Now, hopefully, for those who've been in the church for a while, hopefully prayer is something that you engage in on a regular basis. For those of you maybe that are new to faith and new to this whole church thing and new to this whole idea that that we have a God that loves us and cares for us and wants the best for our lives, um, maybe you've never tried praying. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to uh, look at this big topic of prayer and uh, begin to to, to wrestle with what does prayer look like in our lives? Now, it's more than words, right? But it certainly includes words. So we're going to be going through things like um, some tough questions. How come my prayers aren't always answered? You ever had that question before? So in fact, let's do this real quick so you can see that you're normal. Have you ever prayed and a prayer not be answered? Raise your hand real quick. Okay, look around real quick. Look around. Okay, you are not alone, right? Sometimes we feel like we're the only ones that pray and nothing happens. We're going to talk about this whole, the problem of, of that. Um, have you ever been in a crisis? How do we pray in moments of crisis? And uh, so I'm very excited over the next six weeks to, uh, to deal with this. And uh, before I go and get any further, I do want to say I've got a couple of special guests here today. Uh, my mom is here all the way from Bozeman, Montana. Mom, can you stand up real quick? There she is. Now, she's just here to make sure any stories I tell are actually true. That's basically it. And I also have my brother here. Mark, can you stand up real quick? I know he's going to kill me after this, but... (laughs) He is my older brother. (laughs) All right. So, now, so over the next six weeks also, one of the things I want to challenge you with as your pastor is uh, you've already heard the announcement about it, saw it on the video, Uh, you need to be involved in a life group. You need to get around with other folks to realize everybody that raised their hand just a minute ago, uh, the reality of your faith is there are some times when it is tough to have faith, other times when, it's, uh, when, the, when, when that toughness of life results in an incredible miracle, and we need to share that with other people. So you need to be in a life group. And uh, so right after service today, make sure you, uh, you do that. Make sure you sign up for that. And who knows, I might be able to show up at, uh, at your group unexpected, huh? A little unexpected guest. That would be a lot of fun put people on the spot. That'll be very, all the leaders are right now going, oh dear God, no. (laughs) And I do want to say thank you to all the leaders, both here or uh, here in uh, Iglesia Vida, and then also at Life Church Tooele. Thank you for opening your homes. Thank you for uh, being hosts. Thank you for doing everything you can to build faith within this wonderful community called Life Church Utah. So, so excited for that. Yeah, thank you. Let's give them a hand. They are a great group of people. All right, so today we're going to discover two, uh, two aspects of prayer. The first thing is the purpose of prayer, and then ultimately how we are to pray with confidence. All right, I think we need to get, in, get into both of these things this week. So we have a lot of ground to cover, so uh, kind of get ready here in the next 20 minutes or so as we uh, dig into this. So first of all, the purpose of prayer. There are so many ways to look at this idea of finding purpose in prayer, and it's helpful for us to start, I think, at the very beginning and foundational idea of what prayer is, and prayer is an act of communication, an act of communication. 
Now, there's a portion of Scripture, I've already referred to it in uh, John chapter 14, 15, 16, and even part of 17, um, that, uh, that kind of reveals this, this idea of the purpose of prayer in a couple of different ways. Now, this is the longest recorded um, kind of interaction of Jesus between his disciples. And uh, some scholars would call this the, um, uh, boy, I just meant, uh, the farewell discourse. Because Jesus was basically having this long time of farewell with his disciples, uh, getting ready for, um, for him uh, to really ultimately suffer death on the cross. And in fact, when he finishes, in, uh, in John 17, when he finishes this, uh, it's only uh, mere hours after this that he does find himself on that cross dying for our sins. And within these chapters are some nuggets, and we're going to look for those. And one of these is found in John chapter 15, beginning at verse 15. He says, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. That's really cool. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you are called a friend of God, right? Because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. Now remember, we're gonna talk about times when it feels like the answers aren't there and how do we respond to that? But um, today we're not gonna dig too deeply into that. So Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, he calls them friends. How many of you have a good friend? Raise your hand real quick, all right. How many of you need a good friend, (laughs) right? Okay, yeah, there you go. Turn to somebody, I need you to be my friend, right? Um. So it's great that Jesus is drawing this distinction at this point. He's, he's in a moment of, really, of crisis that's kind of brewing in his life. What does he do? Is he, he's pulling people closer to himself rather than pushing people away. He's pulling them in close, calling them friends, and he's re- beginning to reveal uh, to them some really important aspects of prayer. And notice that prayer is implied in here in several different ways. Number one, Jesus is speaking to the disciples of things that he has heard God speak to him. He has heard his father speak directly to him. And a great little thing here to keep in mind is that that when we pray, I believe it's communication, right? So there's a two-way aspect uh, to prayer. And so when we pray, I believe that God does speak back to us, sometimes through intuition, sometimes uh, through, uh, through a real sense of a miraculous direction that he gives to us. But he speaks to us, and just like Jesus, we need to be people that share what God has spoken to us in prayer. We can't be the ones to hold it back as some sort of badge that look what we know about God and we're not going to tell you. We need to be a people that tell others what God is speaking to us. Um, And then he goes on and he invites the disciples to also have this interaction with God. He doesn't want to hold it just to himself. He says, whatever you ask in my name, my father will do for you. And so he's, he's basically implying, hey, disciples... Things are going to change here very soon. I'm not going to be here much longer. But when I leave, this door will be open for you to interact with God the Father. So Jesus continues his words to the disciples. He reveals another purpose. It's not just communication, but it is an act of, and this is a word that probably you haven't used any time recently in your life, but this is a word that it's an act of supplication. Now, how many of you have ever used this word in a sentence? All right? It's not one of those words you use very often. It's kind of an, an old-fashioned word, but it, uh, it actually is a wonderful word that has a lot of meaning to it. And so you need to think of supplication um, as, as a request for help. 
That's what supplication is, and that's part of the purpose of prayer, is it's a request for help. The word carries with it a, a sense of awe and adoration uh, with it, uh, suggesting a kind of a respectful appeal to a higher power or an authority. And it actually comes from an action verb in Latin, uh, which means to plead humbly, and that it's been made into a noun. So this act of supplication is really to plead humbly before God and to ask. So simply a way to present the purpose of prayer is both positional. We're in a position of asking God for help. And it's also relational because we are the ones who are in need. And because of our relationship with the Father, we then ask for help. How many of you have ever asked for help from God? <laughs> Whatever it might be, right? So we ask for God for help. And this is the purpose for it in John chapter 16 says, in that day, referring to the time when Jesus will no longer be with the disciples, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name, and you will receive, or ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. So that says that our joy cannot be complete unless we ask God for help in our lives. Now, we're to ask in a particular way, according to Jesus, in his name. In Jesus' name. Why is that important? Because Jesus' name is the name that is above every other name. It's at the name of Jesus that demons bow. It's at the name of Jesus that mountains crumble. It's at the name of Jesus that, that uh, those that are dead are raised to life. It's at the name of Jesus that all things are made new. And so he says, pray and ask in my name, and the Father will respond. So Jesus' name is powerful. Jesus' name is a doorway of supplication, of asking, of pleading, not through any of our accomplishments, by the way. Not because we've done anything great in our lives. All we ask is in the name of Jesus, not by our own accomplishments. And then listen to this, and think about what Jesus said in uh, Philippians chapter 4. Actually, Paul writes this in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Anybody worry ever? <laughs> I've been with you at times. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Doesn't that sound wonderful? How many of you have experienced that guarding of, of your hearts and minds in Christ. I've experienced that in times in my life when I've been like, God, I'm at the end of my rope. Lord, this is not going the way I thought it was gonna go. Lord, I'm presenting this to you and the peace of God is able to come in. Certainly over time, we'll uh, have the opportunity to share some of those moments in my life where I've seen uh, those things come to pass. And so not only is the purpose of prayer for communication, not only for supplication or for asking, uh, the purpose of prayer is revealed in that it is an act of cooperation. It's an act of cooperation. So still in this long conversation between Jesus and his disciples in John chapter 14, he says, truly I tell you, this is verse 12, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these. Do you realize that, folks? What Jesus is saying is that we will be able to do even greater works than what Jesus did. That, to me, gives me incredible hope, right? And he says this because I am going to the Father. 
Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So throughout this passage, we see this incredible cooperation between the Father, between the Son, the implication that the Holy Spirit is at work uh, underneath all of this, and between us. It's not as if the divine, it's not as if God is doing his own little thing out there and then we are left, uh, left on the outside. This is an invitation for us as the people of God to interact once again with God and be in cooperation with him. This is not activity done in isolation. It starts with belief and then it's confirmed that that belief will result in great things. But all of this is founded um, in the reality that Jesus is with the Father side by side. And that Jesus then accomplishes great things and even greater things than he did through us because of his position next to the Father. So folks, we have an incredible future when we partner with all the things that God has in store for us. It's as if there's this wonderful dance going on uh, between the divine and between us as his creation, and he invites us to participate. So we get through all of those things, the purpose of prayer, but how do we then pray with confidence? How do we then pray with confidence? So what is confidence? Confidence, I think, is an, an assurance and a trust uh, in that, that what you think will happen will happen. There's a, a confidence, there's this trust and assurance that uh, maybe you've done the same thing over and over and over again, and so you know that the result is going to be there again, so you are confident in that result. I think those who are musically gifted understand this very well. I think of William, who plays uh, guitar for us uh, back there, plays phenomenally. Now, did he one day just pick up the guitar and turn out that good? No. <laughs> what did it take? It took a lot of practice. But what happens is over time, a lot of that practice happens. Pretty soon he is extremely confident in his ability to be able to play the guitar. Now, I know three chords on the guitar. I am phenomenal on those three chords of the guitar. I mean, I know G, C, and D, and I can play them like nobody's business. But if you were to ask me to play anything else, what would happen to my confidence? It would die. It would be terrible. I would be exposed for the fraud that I was saying I could play guitar. And it's really funny. You pick up the guitar and I play those three chords like, oh, you play guitar. Yes, I do. <laughs> you feel really cool. But as soon as you ask them to do something else, it is a, it is a big problem, right? So uh, this, this whole idea of confidence. Now, uh, another thing is, is uh, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. And uh, there, <laughs> I'm a child of the 80s, and uh, there are certain songs that evoke a, a measure of confidence. Oh, man. Do you feel it? You feel it just kind of rise up within you? Conor McGregor, you got nothing on me. I got you, bud. I will take you down. Now, please don't post that clip. Please don't post that clip. Right? So something happens, you hear that, right? And it just kind of builds up within you confidence that I can take the world. All right, you can go ahead and lower that down. I'm getting too much confidence right now. Anybody feel that when that song starts out, right? It's just there, all these emotions rise up within you. You're like, yes, I can do this. Ah. What would it be if our prayer life was like that? <laughs> right? If we had that much confidence just because of a song rising up. 
Well, in prayer, things might be different than just playing a song and all of a sudden we're incredibly confident. But I think when we start to take a look at who our Father is in heaven, that something happens to our confidence when we find out his character, his life, who he is, and that he will do what he said he will do. That confidence is built up within us. So there are, there are three things here that we can pray knowing about our Father that will bring confidence in our lives. And the very first one is that God is a caring father. Now, whenever we compare God to father, I, I recognize that there are, there are times when maybe you haven't had an incredible father on this earthly side to say, wow, I've got this great father who did everything right. And so therefore, whenever I hear God referred to as father, it's really kind of a bummer. But I think that we're, we're adult enough that we can figure out that uh, there are times, even in the failure of maybe our earthly fathers, we have a father in heaven who does not fail. We have a father in heaven who is this ideal father that we can look to and say, God, because of who you are, we can have confidence. And so we find out that God is a caring father. We pray knowing that God actually does care about us. Isaiah 49, beginning at verse 15 and I love this uh, kind of twist that Isaiah puts here. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. This is God speaking through Isaiah. Even if others forget, I will not forget you. Look, I've inscribed you on the palms of my, uh, palms of my hands. Have you ever tried to remind yourself of something like, oh, I can't forget that, and you write on the palm of your hand. Anybody ever done that before? Maybe you wrote down the answers to a test that you shouldn't? No, okay. Um, so you write, down, you, know, you write down something really important you need to remember on the palm of your hand. Why is that? Because for whatever reason, we look at the palms of our hands more than you realize. Think about it today as you're going about today. Like, oh, I'm looking at the palm of my hand. Every time you do that, remember, God has inscribed your name on the palm of his hand because he cares about you. He loves you wants to remember you. So God is a caring father. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, some of your uh, versions say nor angels nor demons, nor anything present nor things to come, nor, power, uh, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In both of these passages, we find that God is a deep, lasting, unshakable care and concern for his people. He compares himself to the nurturing of a young mother to her child. He reassures us with an appeal to his ability to remember, uh, to remember you. He speaks of the inescapable reality that nothing can separate us from his love in Christ Jesus. But Pastor Rich, I failed in my commitments Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Had a fight with my wife right before coming uh, to church today. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I ran that red light. <laughs> Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, I've sinned again. I can't stop this habit in my life. It feels like it takes over. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I lost my job. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, this is our reality as the children of God. God loves us and cares deeply about us. So God is a caring father. He is also a consistent father. 
You see, consistency builds confidence. You become good at something, you're confident in your ability to do that thing. I've already mentioned uh, William on guitar and all of, our, uh, all of those who play instruments and those who sing. And think about your, uh, your place of work and the skill that's needed for you to do what you do. You learn over time to do things and confidence through that consistency builds up in your life. So the great thing for us is that God is a consistent father. We can rely upon him absolutely. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, out of the Living Bible says, even when we are too weak to have any faith left. Ever been there before? It's not a fun place to be. <laughs> it doesn't bring a whole lot of excitement in your life when you feel like the faith is just emptied out of your life. But Timoth uh, Paul says to Timothy, even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he God remains faithful to us and he will help us. For he cannot disown us who are part of himself and he will always carry out his promises to us. Romans eleven twenty nine. For God's gift, uh, gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. He will never go back on his promises. In Psalm 59, 10. My God is changeless in his love for me. Remember, nothing can separate us, right? His, his love is changeless, and he will come and help me. I love two of those passages talk about God coming and helping us. We're in a very, very real position of need in our community, in our world, in our individual lives, in our families, in our workplaces. Be able to say, God, we desperately need your help. So how does he respond He's consistent with us and he wants to help us. So each of, each of these help us see the consistency of the Father toward us and our confidence grows with each one of these assurances. I'm gonna invite the worship team up here as we, uh, as we close out. So not only is God a caring father, not only is God a consistent father, God is a close father. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. He himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Some of you have faced and suffered through abandonment in your life. What does the Bible just say right there? I will never leave you or abandon you. In Psalm 139, verse 17, God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God is a close father. I think this closeness shows best when, uh, in what he has done for us in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. You see, this one act this one moment in history where eternity meets this temporal part of creation, we see Jesus hanging on the cross for our sins to set us free. And you see, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has given us bold access to the Father, not through anything that we had done, by the way, but it counts on everything that he has accomplished. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, Therefore, since we have a, high, a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are. Ever been tempted to do wrong things? Ever been tempted to do, uh, to do the very thing that you know not to do? But we have one who's been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Folks, we have this, this, this unbelievable open door that we can go to God the Father with boldness, with confidence that he hears us and he responds. In Ephesians chapter three, verse eight, this grace was given me, the least of all saints, this is Paul talking, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church. We have a big job ahead of us. <laughs> through the church, to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. I have failed. I've done wrong things in my life. And yet that's not what gives me access to God the Father. I have confident access to the Father because of the work that his son Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's the access, amen. That's the access that we have, that every one of us have available. It's not by anything that we had done. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet here real quick as we close out. You see, in Christ, we see the caring Father. In Christ, we see this incredibly consistent Father. And in Christ, we see the close Father because of what he did on the cross. So here's what I want you to do. I want every head bowed, every head closed for just a moment. You're here this morning and maybe you are facing a battle, a difficult circumstance. Maybe there's a marriage that needs restoration. Maybe there's a, a relationship between parents and child. Maybe something going on at work. Uh, maybe uh, uh, something else happening internally in your life. And you are struggling with this and maybe you haven't prayed about it. Or maybe you prayed about it and you feel like you've prayed about it over and over and over again. Here's the challenge for the next six weeks. You have that in your mind right now? What's, what's kind of a, a focus for you? Over the next six weeks, my challenge to you is to take this circumstance, take this relationship, take this struggle or this problem or this sin and commit this to the Lord. And I believe as we commit these things to the Lord, I think something supernatural is going to begin even this morning as we commit these things to the Lord to say, God, you're a caring, consistent father. <laughs> you are close to me. And so, God, I'm giving this to you today and over the next six weeks, and I'm committing myself to you, Lord, to present this to you every day, <laughs> to present this to you when it becomes so heavy that I can no longer bear this thing myself. 
This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.